It was no shotgun wedding, no matter what people might ever say. Sometimes it seemed to her that she had been too strong, being too weak, that her weakness was her strength. She had carried him in her arms, and he was as light as a transparent leaf. She had stumbled on her way to the altar, and there had been no altar. But if there had been no church wedding, might there not be a church funeral? Perhaps not, she silently, she silently considered. Perhaps her funeral should take place out of doors, under the sky, which would seem to have shrunken to the size of a handkerchief. A sky so small and gray and lacy and webbed with the dying light, seen only by the dying eyes. But who was dying? Go chase after her, she shrilly advised, or leave us both alone and see if I care and see if I will lift a hand to protect you from her. Your way is lonelier than mine. Men don't know the half of it. They don't know either the one half or the other half, the half there is or the half there is not. Whichever side it is, they do not know it. You will never marry her or creep into her lonely bed, not on this side of creation, dear, never on the other. For if you have not slept with her over here, you shall not sleep with her over there. Really, dear, you shall not. Why not take your chances now? Sleep with her. She knew what she was talking of, for she had already been over there and knew the way, only in her dreams, of course, and she had already crossed the bridge, and she had paid the old toll-keeper her one-way fare. She had not paid for the return trip. The simple reason was that she had planned no return trip, really. In heaven, she remembered, the angels do not marry, for they are male and female in one body. The angels do not have children. God makes us forget who we are, who we were. Marriage is an earthly institution. I read it in a book. Marriage parts us. It divorces our souls from our bodies, and you are left alone, sometimes when you are young, sometimes in your old age. Better to be left, I say, when you are young. You learn to take care of yourself. You will never marry her, she whispered, never until death do you part, and things are different over there, and you change your shape so many times just by being dead. You are tall and you are short. You are big and you are little. You are fair and you are dark. There are no couples at the dance, no twos, no threes. There's not even a lonely solo dance or pirouetting. There's no music or a violin. The other person was always only the one you dreamed of yourself. And you never loved her who was outside yourself. And you only thought you did. You never loved him. The water flows. The way is farther. There's the whirlpool whirling. There's the waterfall falling. You will search for her through the crucibles of creation, and you will never find her. A comet shoots as a firefly glows. They both will pass. They will seem to have passed together. They were many miles apart. You will never find her, though you search through all the world of the dead, my dear dears, and look into every face, shadowed or sunlit. You will not find her in the world of the living, if ever you find that world. The world of the living was never discovered by anyone. Water's world, water's divide. It's not early, dear, or it's too late. She's dancing crippled and old, dancing on one foot. The other foot's gone, walking alone over the bare hills, and it's all a dream, they say. The clocks don't strike or strike only in your sleep, from which you will never awaken. You will never awaken at dawn. The red rooster crows at sunset, and the moon rises at dawn. You should have thought of all these things before. If he thought she was going to stand for it, his running around after a crippled girl, then he had another thought coming. He really did. For how could she compete with someone who did not care how she looked? That careless girl. Wake up, she fiercely insisted, jabbing with her elbow, pounding with her delicate glassy fist. Listen, dearies, the knot is tied, it's too late, and I am too old. Too old for this sort of thing. I'm too, I'm too young and I'll never grow old. The womb was the grave, the gates are closed, the waters of creation have already flowed, the ice is broken. 
So everything had gone wrong. She'd be now on a different road from what she had imagined. She'd be on this familiar road, turning and turning, passing the same gatepost twice, three times. The same old orchards flooded to the treetops. That was why she was fixing her face again, trying to look her best, even though the everlasting darkness should surround her, trying to deceive the angels who were out there, and there were no other eyes but hers. Her eyes were closed. I'm the one you married, she cried again, her voice breaking because of her certainty. Your wife, your mortal wife, the only wife you'll ever have. You'll never marry her when I'm gone, so wake up. I think she's playing on the other team, boy. She's playing with the other town. Say, don't you remember me with whom you promised to love, honor, and obey? Come when I whistle. She had married him, yes, but what did that signify? Who could prove that she was married? She had no marriage license. Having torn it up just to show him that, so far as she personally was concerned, her marriage to him was meaningless, and her marriage did not exist, and it never would. She had married him not for her own sake, certainly, for she could have gotten along without him. She had married him only to make him a man in the eyes of this world. She had lifted her flaming sword. He had never been nearer to her than he was now, this roaring chasm dividing him from her, and they were playing on different sides. The stars shining down on him were not the stars shining down on her. He was kicking a comet with long, gold-streaming hair. I'll show him yet, she said. He can't escape. It's not so easy as all that, or I would have. I would have gone myself before. I would have paved the way. Can't run around and around all night and leave me alone like this, alone with my past. She was not going to live in the future, for she had never lived, she was certain, in the past. And time could never claim that which had never been the subject of time. He'll not leave me, this old widow. She'll try to take him away from me, just to show that she can. The needle points to the star, but does the star point to the needle? Her voice softened blurred as she whispered to herself, for there was no one else who cared for her. She knew now. Who could see that I'm married? What proof have I? What living proof? Out of my wedding ring in the pottery the night we were married, and I married him, I stuck it into the clay mouth, I slipped it into an urn, but after all, it was not gold. I was not married in the gold of the furnace fire. I was not married to her. I was not married to him. It was only a poor imitation, dime store ring of brass, one of those things that come from a dime come for a dime a dozen. So who could blame me? She asked. And why should she not have thrown it away? For had she not paid for it herself out of her own pocket? Maybe some other girl would find it now and slip it on her finger and be the bride. But who would be the bridegroom if a girl married herself? She, Madge, poor little girl with her head whirling, had slipped it off her finger the minute she was married to him. So her marriage seemed illegal now, like something which might have happened to someone else, and she had no way to show that she was married, for she had destroyed the marriage license and burned the papers. Her finger was so tiny and thin-boned, that was why, and even the fat-bellied justice of peace had remarked that the wedding ring was too large for her, for the brass ring was so large, large as one of those brass rings that are tossed out to the lucky riders at the merry-go-round, so that afterwards you can go again without paying the old ticket-taker, riding around and around on a horse or a swan, and she preferred a swan because a swan left earth and a horse did not leave the earth, large enough for the bridegroom even though it would slip off the bride. It was as large as a ring of stars. It looks so real. No one will know you bought it yourself, poor little girl, I said, and you are the only bridegroom there is. Always the bridegroom, I said, never the bride, and the bridegroom is not faithful. You should have left her standing at the church door. I should have gotten a dozen wedding rings if I was going to leave them around like that. Twelve pallbearers walking up the hill would do me more good than one bridegroom, the way I feel now, my belly so big. Twelve men are better than one if none can do you any good, 
Earth, they've already done all the good there is, poor little Madge. That girl's no better than you are, though. You haven't got so long to live, outliver. Now what should she be, her plans, now when life was as good as over? Madge coming back to this, Madge, with all her ruined pride, her skirts trailing in dust. I haven't any drapes, she said. I haven't any curtains at my windows. I haven't any windows. I haven't any doors. There's no roof. I haven't any furniture. I have no living relatives, neither the living nor the dead. Oh my God, where's my other face? Where's my other mouth? Where's the girl I was when I was free, before I ever married you? Where's your grave? Where's your womb? There were always, it seemed, two conflicting motives in her mind, and she was always confused by the, these considerations, which should have worked for harmony, for the union of souls. She was divided, becoming someone else. And so she tried to hold on to her memory, hard as she could, and though she was in ev evanescence, like smoke fading in the wind. How could she have known until now, when it was too late, all her thoughts, all her loves, all her vague, unformed desires? Did she know them now? How could she have known her life, its beginning and end? what her life was still to be, what it might become. For there had always been another person, like a veil, through which one saw the burning star. There had been, she knew it now, and perhaps had always known it. Always that other girl, the one he was head over heels in love with, the one who was dying. Madge's old rival, name he called in his sleep, name of a girl who was not aware of Madge, was not the name of his poor wife. Had she ever succeeded in putting one thought into his foolish head? Had she ever awakened in him as in herself the spark of his desire for what he should not attain? So that was what I was trying to tell you, you numb-dumb skull, she shrilly cried. Stay away from her if you want to live. Forget, forget that old Jacqueline White. She's no girl for you. She never was. Ah, oh, yes, she was a little Jackie White, who would scarcely remember Madge. Jackie would escape from her body, leaving no one to inherit her big purple eyes. But Madge could not escape, and that was why she was fiercely jealous, seeing these dark clouds. Was Madge expected to sit at home with his old mother, holding her hands, comforting her, because Jackie was dead and he was gone with her? His mother had always thought that Madge was the fast one. Oh, good Lord, she said, Jackie was fast. May she be surrounded by the little jacks in the pulpit, the little jolly jump-ups. May the white moths attend her. May the softest breezes blow over her. May she sleep in the long grass with my little football player. See if I care. It's not my business now. May the field mice mourn for her, and may the little squirrels mourn. May the little stars go out with the grief. But who would believe that Madge was married if, she, if he passed his time with Jackie? She who would never again have to face the music of existence, never again hear the old dance band. She was going to her grave as if she were going to a dance and laughing all the way, laughing fit to kill all the boys, to kill Madge with grief, to take away her little heart, her little heart so cold. Who would think he was married to Madge if he was sleeping with Jackie? She, who had always ignored him, and yet was the one he had always loved. Perhaps for that very reason, for man was strange. Long before he had ever so much as thought of Madge or dreamed of her, his wife, or of the security which marriage might give him, Madge was heavy with another's child, though she was a child herself. Jackie was light as the purple thistle blown along the wind. And was the spirit of Madge, who should have been so light, so light on her feet? Avoid her. Stay away. Do not return. She intends no good to you, and she never could have. Madge insisted so furiously that it seemed as if she might be trying to put the opposite idea into his mind, the idea that he should pursue her, follow her. It's not in her nature to think of you, dear. She thinks of everyone before she thinks of you. You're the last man on earth she ever thinks of. 
Why, you come when life is over. You know she is fast. She is playing on both teams, playing to win. But what would she win except the silver and loving cup? The boy, an exaggerated skull, yawned sleepily, opening his eyes, which were blurred with sleep, stretching himself, shaking like a dog coming up from the stream. He leaned his cheek against the cold bus window, away from his wife. Who stayed away? He groaned, talking to sleep. Didn't I do the right thing? Didn't all the other fellows think so? I took the responsibility, and I carried it all away. I carried it in my arms, and it was as light as any feather drifting in the wind. I dribbled. I drizzled. I hardly knew it. All the boys congratulated you, not me, Madge intoned. They said you ought to be crowned as the great football hero. You had lost the great football game. They said you ought to wear the bridal wreath. Or was it the coral wreath? <laughs> I could have forgotten. They said you ought to be crowned, drowned. Madge could not help laughing as the bird bobbed on her hat. Perhaps they had known that he would not support her. He was strong, yes, but what was physical strength? It had deceived her so many times. Why, for all the good he will do me now, she cried, with her little face nodding and darkening as she searched for her handkerchief. I might just as well have buried the shadow of a man. I should have had the glass blower blow me a glass girl. But the glass tube, put the glass tube to your lips, I should have said, and blow me a girl. Blow her of silicates, blow her of sand, blow her of wind. Blow me a goblet, an hourglass, a windowpane, a mirror, a thermometer, a pair of eyeglasses, binoculars with which to look at the glassy stars, I should have said to him. I should have had the potter make me a clay man. Maybe it's a pigeon. Now she hit her face with her handkerchief. It almost seemed as if she was playing hide-and-seek. But he continued as if he had not heard her, as if he had already learned to ignore her. Didn't he do the right thing? The right thing by everybody? All the Toms, Dicks, Harrys, all the boys who had played around with her and thought she was so lovely and so lily-white and the spotless lily. Poor little Madge, whom he had taken as his wife, all her admirers being not worthy of her little finger, her little ring finger. And had he not taken the burden on his own shoulders because he was a man, because he was not a boy? saying the child was his even when he had never so much as dreamed of becoming the father of a little child this year or the next, for he had so far to go. He had two or three years. The only little child he had ever dreamed of had been himself, who had lost his father before he was born. He had dreamed that he was his mother's little boy, never that he was the child's old father, never that old hunter. How often she asked with her handkerchief covering her eyes, must she repeat herself? He was a poor numbskull, a poor numbskull indeed. For she was not talking of the past, but of the future, of their married life together. They're sharing everything, even their innermost thoughts, if they had any thoughts. Stay away from that old Jackie White, for she has sores in her eyes and her lips bleed, cracking in the cold. And that was why I said to you what I said. You will lead a long and happy life if you live with me. She will make you chase after her, even when she is dead. I warned you, she will come between us, Madge promised. You will die in your sleep. Yes, if he went skating next winter with Jackie, he would be skating on the icy river with a ghost, snow falling on her eyes, on her muff, on the violets on her muff. But whose ghost, she asked. She removed her handkerchief, wiping her face once again, her eyes sharply gleaming as if she saw the frost, her face cracking under its coating of white face powder streaked with gray. Perhaps she seemed even to herself that person she warned against since it was so hard for her to tell the difference between one person and another now that she was not single. It was getting harder every minute. Why should they have an old ghost coming between them, crawling with their bridal bed? Or why should she endure this marriage of three? Or should they ever be four? You know you wish you were married to her instead of me, and you would rather mourn at her funeral than mine any day in the year, she accused. 
no matter which year it is. You think there is no time. There is no time for man, but there is time for woman. Time, dear, is passing. You would rather be married to her because she will be no more, and the years will go on without her, and she will be forever young. It's easier to be married to the dead, not half as hard as life is. I know, I might lose my life, she promised. And then would you love me as you think you loved her? Or would you even know the difference between us? Or would there always be the three of us, yourself and her and her? Would you consider us as one or two when we were gone? Or would we melt into one like gold in the fire? She haunts you even now when she is still alive. So what will it be like when she is dead? She'll be worse, more active then. I can see it all coming. You know it will, and we never can be happy on this earth, she warned, her voice soft and lowering and almost indistinct. It's this eternal triangle that does so much good or harm. There's always a stranger in my house. Why do you call out her name in your sleep, little boy? Jacqueline, Jacqueline, you cried last night, and that made me remember she has forgotten you. Yes, how long did you think a memory could endure? Even if it was a sim simple memory, it would change. Altered shape, and she was not simple. Why do you forget to call me by the name of that old high school cheerleader? Was that an insult, she surely asked? Was I supposed to take offense at what I cannot see, feel, hear? Do you think I have no heart? It's a compliment, he said. It was the highest praise I ever gave if I called out her name. If I was sleeping with her, I would call your name. Oh, Madge, you know it was you I love. I never think of any woman. His eyes were only half opened, his mouth yawning and wide so that one could see the large, pretty teeth and his red tongue and his red throat. It looks as if I'm just an old married man, boys and girls, and I have been married a long time. It's quite buzzing. I only think of you, and you're the one that puts these weird ideas into my head, mind. Why, what was he trying to make him do? Was she trying to make him leave her, leave before the bride was cold? He had not thought of Jacqueline for almost two years now, maybe almost three years. Not since the last dance, when he had danced with all, when she had danced with all the other boys, never would have remembered her if Madge had let him even for one minute forget an old love, an old friend, who he had loved so long ago that he had almost forgotten her. He had hardly ever thought of her. He had been quite helpless in his love, never had spoken of it, for he was too shy. But Madge was always digging up the past, always kicking old hornets' nests, and she had reminded him of Jacqueline as vividly as if the years had never passed. She knew now, of course, it was love, it seemed to him, but how did she know? All the other fellows had loved her, and he was no different from them. Things were always very simple. She did not, he did not believe in anything that was complex. For the great things were those which went on in silence and mystery. Silence begot the mystery of the dream, and he would always be true to her. She was a part of him. Without the dream of the past, a man could have no dream of the future. The last time I saw her, he said, she was more morality in the high school pageant most beautiful girl in senior class. It was more of a beauty of the spirit than of the body. And you were not even in that class, Madge. You had graduated so long ago. Where did you just leave? He slowly asked as if he saw the dawn of wisdom. Didn't you get your diploma? She got high honors. She was way ahead of me. She was morality and I was honesty. She wore a long white dress and a golden crown. I was draped in the American flag. They were playing taps for the World War soldiers, and then she kissed me, and then I awakened and strewed paper roses on the crowd. She was Juliet, and I was Romeo. She wore a long white gown was when she was morality, but my kiss did not awaken her, so I committed suicide. Then we went to the popcorn festival, snowy popcorn. She was the drum major at 
We were graduated together, and you had gone so many years ahead of us. You were so much older. I hardly remembered you until I saw you at the pottery. So how could you be jealous? I did not know what you looked like, she patiently explained, or I would never have looked at her. She was so beautiful then, a beauty queen. And now you say she is dying, and she is old, going so far ahead of us, just as she always did, leading the boys to victory. Oh, Madge, how could it have happened? It all sounds like something that might have happened the last five minutes while I was sleeping. It did not sound reasonable, he sleepily muttered. Not reasonable, the jackal was dying too.